Hello and welcome back to the Kate Languages podcast. How are you? I am still suffering from this really annoying cough. Um, I will try not to cough and splutter my way through this episode. But yeah, getting a bit fed up with this. Anyway, this is the last episode of season four of the podcast. And today I'm going to be talking about the new GCSE. So I feel like there have been a lot of new GCSEs since I did my teacher training back in 2007, 2008, I think it was, Um, maybe 2006. Oh, I lose track. Anyway, yeah, so in the past sort of 15 years or so, there have been, I'm going to say about four iterations of the GCSE, and there's another one coming up, starting with first teaching for year 10s in September 2024, and first examinations in June, well, May, June 2026, which might feel like quite a long time away if you're listening to this as and when it's published. It is currently May 2023, but over the next year, you'll be surprised by how quickly the next year will disappear with you, and then suddenly your current year eights will be going into year 10. Um, They will have finished year nine, they'll be going into year 10 and starting a brand new specification. I'm imagining as well for a lot of people that you're considering which exam board you're going to do. So are you going to stick with the exam board that you're already using? Are you going to switch exam boards? In this episode, I will talk about a couple of differences that I have noticed between the sample assessment materials and the sample specifications that have been released for the different exam boards, but I am not going to say which one I think you should do. I don't think that's my job, and I think every single school and every single situation is different. Um, But there's a couple of things that I've noticed that are different between, so we've got AQA, Edexcel and Educas. This is only in England. The situation in Wales seems to be completely different and there doesn't seem to be the same change with the WJEC. So I'm just looking at AQA, Edexcel and Educas in England. And also I'm only going to be talking about French because the sample assessment materials are only out so far for French. They haven't been released for Spanish or for German yet. So all I've got to go on is what I've seen in these, and they are draft specifications and draft sample assessment materials, which means they could be subject to change. So I remember with the current iteration of the GCSE, when the sample assessment materials came out, I'm going to say in 2015, they were actually a bit different to the final sample assessment materials that were then released for first teaching in 2016. So things could change a little bit. I've had a really good look through, as I say, AQA, Edexcel and Educas. I'm intending to create resources for all three exam boards and for all three languages, as in French, German and Spanish, as and when I can. I'm also going to be doing a CPD series starting in September 2023. I'm going to be doing three lots of CPD throughout the year so that we can check in with each other and see how people are getting on with 
changing their schemes of work, how they're preparing for the new GCSE. So we're going to start in September with a couple of hours of CPD of how do you get started adapting your current schemes of work for year, uh, for Key Stage 3 and what you're actually going to be doing to get your year 9s when you know the ones who are starting in year 9 in September what are you going to be doing with them for that year to then start teaching them the new GCSE the following year when they go into year 10 in September 2024. Then in January, we're going to have a bit of a checking in how you're getting on. And then in June, another CPD session to, uh, yeah, just see like, are we ready to go? And has everybody got on throughout the year? So that will be up on my website really, really soon. You can sign up to that. And I'm actually going to put all of my CPD for academic year 2023 to 2024 onto my website by the end of June 2023. So I've got about five or six different CPD workshops that I'm going to be running throughout the year on various different topics, including a free show and tell one around Christmas time again, because we did one last Christmas on games in MFL, which I finally managed to release the audio of for this season of the podcast. If you haven't listened to that, or haven't listened to the whole thing because it was quite a long one, do go back and listen to that and do watch it and get the PowerPoint from my website as well because that's really good. So I'm going to be doing another one of those in December, which is a free show and tell one. The rest of them will be paid for and you will have the opportunity to actually buy all of them as a package. So then you can just come along to all of them or you will then have access to the recordings if you can't make one or two of them and if you're a buy everything customer which I got another one yesterday I was really excited by that honestly it makes me so happy um because yeah it's just lovely to know that people are wanting to kind of invest in my website and invest in my time so buy everything literally means that you pay one one one-off fee so it's not a subscription it's literally just a one-off fee and you have access to everything on my website all the resources I keep putting loads of extra stuff on there that I'm not actually putting for general purchase on the website so lots of uh, little workbooks uh, booklets worksheets lessons pre-recorded CPD there are all sorts of things on there that you can't actually get on the website anyway and then anybody who's a buy everything customer will actually have access to all of my CPD throughout well I mean next year and then every year to come like I say it's a one-off payment so once you pay for that that's it like you get access to all my resources and all my CPD and everything for free forever so there we go just go to katelanguages.co.uk and click on buy everything. Ta-da! And then it's there. Right, so as I say, I'm going to be doing some CPD on this throughout the year. And I thought I would just talk today about my kind of first impressions and my first ideas about what this new GCSE entails, how it's different from the current GCSE, the pros and cons. Although I'm I'm not going to lie, I don't think there are that many cons. I'd be really interested to hear people's opinions on that. But as a rule, I think there's a lot more pros, to be perfectly honest. I'm going to talk about each of the different papers, in what way they are different to the current papers, and again, 
my opinions on that. Do, do I think these are better or worse than the current papers? Um, and just, yeah, generally little things that I've noticed and picked up or, uh, from looking at the sample assessment materials and slight differences between the different exam boards. One of the biggest changes between the current GCSE and this new GCSE is that all of the rubrics and instructions and questions are in English. Personally, I actually prefer this. I think this tests students' knowledge and understanding of the language much more effectively. The reason for this is, well, it depends on the paper. So if you're talking about listening and reading, you can answer a question correctly without showing any comprehension of what the text actually means. And I know this for a fact because I was doing uh, a lesson recently and we were doing personality vocabulary. And on my resource that I was using with them, there are a couple of texts in the target language and the questions are in the target language. So we read, we read the text aloud and we went through them. I didn't go through what they meant in English. We went through the questions and they could answer. I think there were true false questions. And they can answer the true false questions and get them all right. And then they actually did say to me afterwards, they're like, yeah, but I've got all that right. And I can't actually remember what, I can't remember what the word was, um, means. And I was like, oh yeah, of course. Because you can just answer these questions without actually knowing what it means. And if you're good at sort of picking out key information and just giving it a guess, or like copying out the sentence that you're pretty sure the answer is in, somewhere in that sentence you can actually get the question right and that doesn't show anybody that you've understood the text so I actually think for people whose first language is English to be able to understand a text in the target language and answer questions in English is actually like I say it shows that you've understood it much better than if the question's in the target language and for the speaking and writing to have the rubrics in English cuts out this whole nonsense that we had like with the role plays of the current GCSE in particular but also the bullet points for the writing if you don't understand the bullet points for the role play or the bullet points for the writing you're immediately at a disadvantage because you might have misread it or misunderstood it and then you start writing or talking about something completely different and I think that can be avoided. So having that in English, to me, is actually a really good thing. So that's a good start. And that is something that is really different across all four papers. Although saying that Educash do three papers because they've combined reading and writing into one paper, actually. But it's that is worth 50%. And then the listening is worth 25 and the speaking is worth 25. So overall, each skill is worth 25%. It's just they happen to have reading and writing in one paper. Anyway, so yeah, across all four papers, <clears throat> all the rubrics and the, like I say, the, the bullet points for the writing, the speaking are in English, which, as I said, I think is really good. Another massive change, and again, this is right across everything, is the prescribed vocabulary list. So we've always had vocab lists for languages. That's a really normal thing that we've had. The way they've done it this time is to take the list of, it's like the 2000 most commonly used words in the language, and they've created a vocab list from that. So I think the idea is that you're using high frequency vocabulary. 
when I first heard about this, I was quite concerned because I was just thinking like, for me as a resource writer and as an ex-teacher and thinking like, how on earth do you teach this? Like, do you just teach a list of words? And then I was thinking like, am I going to write texts literally only using these words? Like, are there going to be any topics? What is going on? Actually, all three examples have looked at, and I'm talking about French as well, because that's the one that there's been the most work on so far. Oh, so just to say, it's 1,200 words for foundation and 1,700 words. It's not 2,000. It's the 2,000 most commonly used words. They've also got rid of a few that they thought maybe they're not relevant for teenagers. I don't know. 1,200 words for foundation and 1,700 for higher. Plus there are some extra short phrases and some extra things as well. And if there's a verb, for example, it has all the different conjugations of the verb. So like, so for avoir, you've got about 20 different entries, I think. I don't know, I haven't counted them. But yeah, because you've got avoir as the infinitive, you've got a, you've got a, you've got on, you've got the past participle, u, you've got ave, you, I don't know... Il y aura, maybe, is a little phrase. I don't know. I don't know them all off the top of my head. But actually, all the examples are using the same vocabulary. And that's something that is a bit of a change, because I know, like, when I did the BBC bite-size uh, French, I did AQA and Edexcel, um, and, you know, we wrote different things for each one, and I had to be really mindful of the fact that the vocabulary lists are different in the current GCSE. They are different um, for different exam boards. So words that you need for AQA are not in the Edexcel vocab list and vice versa. So actually to have the same words across all exam boards, I don't actually think is the worst thing. And what all three exam boards seem to have done is to break down the vocabulary. They've looked at it in a lot of depth and they've broken it down into different topic areas and yeah so it's going to be much easier than I had initially thought to actually plan your curriculum around the different topics and just ensuring that you're including every single word from the prescribed vocab list within your teaching and I'm sure they're going to come up with some uh, textbooks and things like that hopefully before you have to start teaching it in September 2024 and the topics are very much the kind of things that we've been teaching for GCSE forever so um, AQA has got for example people and lifestyle, popular culture, communication in the world around us and then there are lots of subtopics within that there's even something about celebrity culture I think they're trying to appeal a bit more to teenagers with some of these topics Edexcel has got um, my personal world lifestyle and well-being my neighborhood media and technology studying in my future travel and tourism and then Educas have got uh, identity, everyday life, my future, exploring and global matters. And within e each of those, there are subtopics which explain them in a bit more detail. But it's basically the same. It's talking about yourself and your family, talking about your free time, talking about your school, talking about your house, talking about the target language country. And with French, actually, there seems to be more of a focus on francophone countries. So it's much more global rather than just everything being French examples just looking through the sample papers there are lots of examples from African francophone countries 
um, etc. So that's fantastic, I think. And actually looking at some of the vocabulary as well, it's a lot more up to date. I've noticed on the French, um, you've got lots of different words for different genders and sexuality and things like that, which are really important to teenagers these days. So I actually don't think, now that I've kind of had a really good look at it, and maybe slightly calmed down a bit because at first I was just like oh for god's sake how on earth are we going to be able to do this it's just going to be really hard but actually having had a really good look at it I don't think it's the worst thing the one thing I would say about the vocabulary list is I would assume that any decent teacher in any decent school would teach vocabulary that's not on the list for example with animals I can't remember which way around it is. But I, for example, I think the word chat is on the list and chien isn't, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So, like, you're not gonna you're not gonna teach pets and not teach chat and chien, okay? You 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 are gonna teach cat and dog, and you're gonna teach other words for animals or whatever. Or there might be like four or five different colours on there, but it doesn't mean you're not gonna teach them like eight, nine, ten colours. So. Yeah, my concern would be that some people might think, oh, well, we only need to teach them what's on the prescribed vocab list. But actually, like I say, hopefully any decent school, head of department, teacher, etc. will give children the opportunity to learn a broader range of vocabulary than what is actually on the prescribed vocab list. So to go through each of the papers in turn, starting with listening... The listening paper looks very similar to any normal GCSE paper that I've ever seen since I did my own GCSEs back in the late 90s, in that you listen, you hear a text, and you have to answer questions on it. For Edexcel, the students will have the opportunity to listen to the text three times. As far as I can see for the others, it seems to be twice. The one thing that is really different and again, I don't think this is the worst thing, is that there is a dictation element in the listening. And what that seems to be is that there is a text or sentences, and you don't actually have, because at first I was thinking, oh gosh, you're going to have to write it all out, that sounds really complicated. Um, actually, you've got like most of the sentence, and then there's a few gaps, and you have to fill in the gaps with the correct word and I think this is going to be a really really easy thing to incorporate into your teaching right from the beginning of year seven and in fact in the last school I worked at we did dictations we did this kind of thing um, I'm talking like 10 years ago so it's something that dictations is something that people have, have done in language teaching forever um, I'm pretty sure if I ask my parents who did their O levels back in the 60s uh, I'm pretty sure they had dictation in their O-levels. So, yeah, it's not the worst thing. My slight concern is that it disadvantages French students because German and Spanish are much more phonetic languages. You know, you hear a letter in Spanish and you know that you have to write that letter. Whereas in French, you hear a word and there could be like five letters in that word that you haven't heard and that you have to know because they're all silent at the end of the word like um I don't know like chateau and you have to know the context well is that a plural do I put an x on the end how am I spelling the e-a-u is it you know and I think French spelling and the sound symbol correspondences in French are 
a lot harder than in German and Spanish. I don't know whether that will be reflected in grey boundaries and things like that, or in leniency, whether, you know, because you can't hear the verb endings, or whether it's a plural adjective or something like that, you know, the adjectival agreements, whether they'll be a bit more lenient about that, because especially for foundation, I think that's a it's a difficult thing. There's a, there's a lot going on cognitively to hear it, to write it down, and then to know what the grammar point is. So we'll see how that plays out in terms of, as I say, how lenient they're going to be. But as a rule, like I said, I, I think it's a, it's a nice thing to do and it's a nice activity. It seems to be really well thought out and um yeah it's just sort of sentences and you just do the do the gap fills apart from um at excel where you do have to write out a full sentence or two but again they're not going to be really complex and they're all from the prescribed vocab list so technically if they're learning that really really well then they should know how to spell all the words and they should know what they all sound like and there is quite a big focus on sound symbol correspondences which is literally what a word sounds like and how it's spelt. And again, when you're thinking about how to prepare your students and adapt your schemes of work, one of the first things I'd be looking at would be phonics and incorporating a phonics focus pretty much into every single lesson, if not one a week. It depends on how many lessons you have, obviously. If you've only got one lesson a week, maybe one a fortnight, I don't know, uh, or three lessons a fortnight, maybe one out of your three lessons have a, have a really explicit phonics focus uh, within your lessons. And I'm actually currently developing a full curriculum, so it will be available, again, to purchase on my website, whereby you will be able to buy an entire term's worth of lessons, workbooks, vocabulary, uh, lesson plans, everything you need to teach an entire term and I'm going to be doing it for the whole of Key Stage 3 and then I will develop it for Key Stage 4 as well. So it's basically an alternative to textbooks but with all your PowerPoints, everything included and within that there will be phonics focuses, like I say, pretty much every single lesson. So yeah, I think phonics is going to be a huge thing and something that people might have to um, you know, work quite hard at working out how they're going to adapt their programmes of studies, schemes of work, whatever you call them, for Key Stage 3, because I do think this is something you need to embed right from the beginning in Key Stage 3. Um, so yeah, so that that is something that is a bit different, and that does really link to what I was just talking about with the dictations. Okay, so now for the reading paper. Again, Seems very similar to what we've had in the current spec. You do have a translation from the target language into English. There doesn't seem to be a literary text. Maybe that's because that doesn't fit in with the prescribed vocab list. Again, I don't think this is the worst thing in the world. Some of the literary texts that have been in recent exams are absolutely bonkers. Um, wasn't there one like about a girl whose mum was trying to marry her off to her uncle or something like that like so weird and I think it's been really difficult for them to actually get texts and people have said to me oh can you do some resources on literary texts and I'm like no because unless I'm using something that's hundreds of years old which isn't isn't really relevant it's going to be really difficult like I can't like they, these these texts are copyrighted I can't like 
buy permission or somehow have permission to use literary texts in resources that I'm making. So I think that has been a bit of an issue. I think it was a nice idea. I don't think it's worked. And if they aren't including literary texts in the next iteration of the GCSE, as I say, I don't think that is the worst thing in the world. The other thing about reading, and this applies to listening as well, actually, is that if words in the texts are not in the prescribed vocab list, so the 1,200 words for foundation, the 1,700 words for higher, if they're not in that prescribed list, you there'll be like a little asterisk next to the word and it will be translated in a little box underneath the text or uh, I guess they, they give it on the on the listening paper as well. They, they give you a sort of a glossary. Um, they're only allowed 2%, so no more than 2% of words in any text are allowed to be words that are not from the prescribed list. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's kind of like the text is going to be a bit weird and maybe a bit contrived, I don't know, but I don't think so. That When you look at the list, it's like all the words that you want to use day in, day out for normal language. So I think that should probably be absolutely fine. So no more than 2% of the words in any of the texts can be outside of the vocab list. And if they are, then they have to have an asterisk with a bit of a glossary. I think a slight exception to this is if it's a cognate because it's the same as English, so I think, I guess, I think children should be able to, to figure it out for themselves. So, yeah, I think, as I say, I think listening and reading papers don't sound too different. Any differences that have been made sound pretty cool. I, I, I quite like the idea of dictation, and as I say, I do like the idea of not having literary text in the reading. As for the writing, the rubrics are all in English, and as I said earlier, I, I think this is a great idea. The slight changes with the numbers of bullet points. So for AQA, for example, with the 90 word question, there are only three bullet points. Uh, for the 150 words, there are still two bullet points. For the higher, the translation from English into target language is actually sentences rather than a paragraph, which is what you have in the current GCSE. So little changes like that. But the general writing tasks um, are pretty much the same. So like in foundation, you've got a photo that you need to describe with sentences. Then you've got a shorter text, so 40 or 40 to 50 words for Excel, and then a longer text with different numbers of bullet points depending on your uh, exam board. But yeah, sort of 80 to 90 words. So really, really similar to the current GCSE. The higher is also really similar. So you've got this overlap question of 80 to 90 words. Then you've got a longer question that for Red Excel is 130 to 150, AQA is 150, and then your translation into the target language. With Red Excel, you've still got uh, formal and informal questions for the writing. But I think, as with the current GCSE, you don't have to know how to write a formal letter in French. I don't think most French people would know these days, would they? So you don't have to have all the, you know, veuillez agré, monsieur, madame, blah, 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 whatever it was, mes sentiments distingués. Well, I remember learning that when I was doing A-level. It was like, it was kind of a fun thing to learn, but yeah, not, not ever used. I don't think I've ever used it. So yeah, you don't have to have like super, super formal language. But yeah, it's testing your ability to write for different registers. So slightly, one of the tasks will be informal and one of the tasks will be 
formal. As for the speaking, there's a huge change in that there's a read aloud text. This relates to the focus on phonics and sound symbol correspondences that I was talking about earlier and the ability to look at the language and be able to read it out loud. Funnily enough, I had to do this for my French in my uh, university when I was doing French. I always find it really easy because I quite like reading stuff. I, you can read it aloud and, you know, try and put on your best French accent. Don't need to understand what it means. You can just, like, put on a really good French accent and hopefully, you know, get a few marks because your pronunciation's really good. The only um, thing that I've seen about this that I find a bit weird and not fair is that in the preparation time, they're not allowed to actually read it out loud. Now, I don't know if this is... Because maybe in some schools, the students share the preparation room. So in my experience of doing oral exams, you have a preparation room and then you have the exam room. And the kids go to the preparation room for the whatever it is, 12, 15 minutes or so before the exam. And then they have that time to, you know, make all the little notes and do whatever they need to do and get themselves together to, to prepare, looking at the photo, looking at the role play, etc. And then they go into the exam room. Now, I don't know whether in a lot of schools, whether the students have to share that preparation room. So maybe the exam boards are thinking if they have to share that preparation room, it's not fair and also doesn't really work if they're like reading the read aloud text out loud. But I do feel like if you need to read something out loud, like when the hell in life would you read something out loud that you've never read out loud before? You know, I'm thinking about, like, my wedding, for example. We had some readings. Like, it would have been really, really weird if I'd given the readings to my family who were reading them out loud 15 minutes before the wedding and said, don't read this out loud, just read it in your head, and then you need to read it to the whole, you know, I was going to say congregation. It wasn't the church wedding, but, yeah, whatever, the, the whole wedding party. Like, you just wouldn't do that in real life, would you? So that seems a little bit unfair and a bit weird. And I wonder if that could be something that could change um, between the sample assessment materials and the actual exams. I don't know. That's just something I picked up on that I just thought, oh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. That seems a bit unfair. But yeah, so you've got this read aloud task. And as with the current GCSE, there are photos. It's quite interesting. So AQA, you've got two photos that you talk about and you have to talk about both of those photos. But what you then don't have is the general conversation on different topics. So you've got the two photos and you've got kind of broad questions that the teacher could ask based on, so say, if, say it's a picture of somebody doing some sport. So then the it's sort of, it seems like it's meant to be a bit of a conversation. Like you... You know, the first question is describe the photo or tell me about the photo. And then you develop a bit of a conversation after that. And you do have to talk about both of the photos, which I think is probably actually quite good because one of them might be difficult to ex to describe and one of them might be a bit easier. So at least you, you know you've got one that you can do and then the other one you might just have to blag it a little bit. Whereas before with the current GCSE, if you've only got one photo and you don't really know what it is and you don't know any of the vocab, that's it. That's your only chance to describe a photo and talk about something. However, for Edexcel, you get given two pictures and you only have to describe one of them. So again, that's giving the opportunity to choose the one that you feel the most confident with and then you're 
conversation then develops around the photo as well. And I think this is, it feels like it should be more natural than the general conversation. I think the general conversation in the current GCSE was designed to move away from the controlled assessment, which, especially for AQF, I found Edexcel was a bit more, meant, it felt more like a conversation, whereas the AQA with the previous specification, so the one that went up until 2017 with the controlled assessments, yeah, like the way that we the way that we did it is that the kids had like five or six questions and then they just created their own answers to those questions and kind of learnt them off by heart and then uh, that was it. Like then you just asked them those five or six questions in the exam and then they just answered those questions and that was it. Like it wasn't a conversation. Yeah, it, I mean, it didn't even really test how well they knew the language. It tested how well they could write something and learn it off by heart. So I think the general conversation in the current GCSE was meant to be a move away from that. But I do wonder whether people have kind of stuck with that. And so they've had set questions. The students aren't meant to know what questions are going to be asked. But if you have 10 questions on each topic there's a chance that they can write answers to that, learn them off by heart, and then they'll just be able to answer the questions off the top of their heads. And again, it's just a test of how well you can learn stuff off by heart rather than how well you can actually have a conversation in the target language. So I'm sure people will still find ways of completely spoon feeding answers and, you know, manipulating it so that the kids just learn some answers off by heart but I think the sentiment here is really good in that it is trying to give them a stimulus of a photo it's a bit more like a level I suppose isn't it giving them a stimulus of a photo and developing a conversation around that photo so as I've been saying with so many of the changes I actually think this is a really good thing the other thing with speaking the fact that the rubrics are all in English is going to have a massive impact on the role play because at the moment the role play and I've talked about this like I this is one of the things I talk about all the time and I've mentioned it in previous podcast episodes as well honestly they are so bonkers and when I did the BBC Bite Size and when I created my own resources I genuinely have tried to write role plays as close to the ones that I've seen on past papers and sample papers, sample assessment materials. And I genuinely cannot make them that weird and crazy and nonsensical and disjointed. And then the, the, the rubrics are so bizarre because I think you can't have a conjugated verb in there. And it's just like, guess what I want you to say? And I'm going to put a couple of words in the target language to give you a clue about what I want you to say. And I think I've given the example before of when I did um, a Spanish speaking exam with a girl who was a native speaker and it didn't make sense. And I was like, if a native speaker can't make sense of this role play and our conversation doesn't make any sense, there's something seriously wrong with it. So I think having the rubrics in English is a much better idea. It makes loads of sense to me. An interesting thing about the difference between AQA and Edexcel is that the AQA role plays are all, in the French, are all two, and they're all informal situations where you're pretending you're chatting to a French friend. The Edexcel role plays are all vous, 
and they're all transactional, like shops or in the station or a cinema and things like that. I've not, I'm, I've said I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say which one I prefer. However, a transactional role play to me feels a little more realistic and the type of thing you might actually do if you ever go to a foreign country you know if you want to buy tickets for the cinema or if you want to buy tickets for a tourist attraction okay fine most people in touristy places do speak English but if you would like to use the opportunity to practice your languages that's the kind of thing you need to be able to do um, rather than pretending to have a chat with your friend about I don't know what you do in your free time or whatever so yeah I think that's quite interesting Something I've noticed about Educast role plays as well is they give examples of what to say. So it'll be like, you're talking to your friend about what you do in your free time. Say what you did last weekend. And then in brackets, it'll say, for example, you played football in the park. And I like that because you don't, sometimes your brain just goes blank. And if you've got that there, if you use that example, as long as you've translated it into French, because it's all in English. So as long as you're saying that in French, I guess you're going to get the marks. And some people just don't have a great imagination. I remember in my GCSE, my German GCSE, I had a, we had role plays back then, and it was I was a, I'll never forget it because I just went completely blank. It was a role play in a post office, and I had to say hi. I want to send this parcel, and then my teacher said, "What's in the parcel?" And it was one of the surprise questions, you know, one that I hadn't been able to prepare. And I just looked at him. And my brain went completely blank. And I was like, I don't know. Bearing in mind, you know, 16-year-olds don't tend to actually often send parcels from a post office. So I looked at him and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what's in my parcel. I've got no idea. And I think I went, uh, CDs? <laughs> Which probably didn't get me any points because, you know, it wasn't a sentence. I think that's really nice that they've given you a... An example of what you can actually say if your mind goes blank and you lose your train of thought or imagination or whatever so yeah some interesting differences but generally as a rule the role play is going to be infinitely better I'm not going to lie I think it's going to be infinitely better so 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 much better so as I've said, I'm going to be doing some CPD on how to adapt your teaching, how to adapt your schemes of work, etc. for this new GCSE. The three things I would focus on for Key Stage 3, starting from September this year, 2023, would be read aloud tasks. So making sure that students have opportunities in lessons to read the target language out loud either just to their partner or if they're really brave to the whole class or get them to do stuff where they have to record themselves reading things aloud maybe for a homework task or you know things like that so practicing reading aloud dictations because that's something that is probably not in current textbooks or in your current programs of study so looking at how you can do dictations I'm actually going to be doing another CPD. So all my CPD planning for next year. I'm really excited about it. And this is something when I did the lesson planning 101, this was kind of the crux of it all. But I'm just going to bring it all together in, in a couple of hours rather than five hours, which was my lesson planning 101. And that's the, the idea of using one text. So exploiting one text for a whole lesson or even two lessons. And part of that is doing a listening task and then using that listening text as a dictation 
where students have to listen to it and write out the transcript. That's a really easy thing that you can do, maybe not every single time, but definitely regularly when you do listening tasks, turn it into a dictation. And they write out the transcript. And then in my CPD, I'm going to talk about how you can then use that transcript as reading and for scaffolding for writing, etc, etc. I'll do another podcast episode on that next season. I'll explain that in more detail. And then the third thing I would do straight away to start adapting your schemes of work is looking at phonics. And I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, having a phonics focus once a week, once a fortnight, depends on how many lessons you have, but an explicit phonics focus starting in year seven and going right the way through, right the way up to year 11. And just making sure, especially with French, I would say, that students' understanding of the sound symbol correspondences is really, really sound. Uh, So, yeah, so doing things like dictations and reading aloud really helps with that, and also a specific phonics focus, most lessons, I would say. So, yeah, so that's my thoughts and ideas about the new GCSE. As always, I love your feedback. I got some really great feedback about the social media one. It was... uh, it was a good one, my, my last episode. I've had some uh, some great messages from people and people sharing it and talking about it on Instagram in particular because I was talking about how much I love Instagram. So, um, yeah, I always love to hear from you about your ideas, your thoughts. So you can get in touch with me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm at Kate Languages on both. The last thing I wanted to say as well, I was talking about my Buy Everything offer earlier. And what I wanted to say is I'm going to be giving people on my mailing list the opportunity to win by everything next month, June 2023. If you're on my mailing list, look out for an email with details of how you can actually win a buy everything. So that is currently it's £250 and there are over £300 worth of resources for £250. So it's already a bit of a bargain. If you're on my mailing list, you already should have access to a like a welcome uh, discount code as well that gets you a 10% discount. So you can always do that anyway. But yeah, so if you're on my mailing list and if you're not on my mailing list, sign up before June because I'm going to be letting you know about the opportunity to win a £250 buy everything. And as I said... All my CPD is also included for free. So you will have access to join the CPD and then you'll be able to watch it back afterwards for no extra cost. And the package for all my CPD for next academic year is about 150 quid. So already that is a massive saving. If you were thinking of buying some resources and then doing all the CPD, if you just buy everything or if you win the buy everything... That's an awful lot of stuff that you would be getting for free. So, yeah. So if you want to sign up to my mailing list, go onto my website. It is katelanguages.co.uk. There's a little pop-up that comes up. You can literally just fill in your name and email address on that. Or if you scroll down on the homepage and uh, there's a little form at the bottom of the homepage that you can fill in. So, yeah. So good luck to the people who are going to enter that because I'm hoping that's going to be lots of people wanting to buy everything, well, to win by everything. And yeah, until September, this is goodbye. So have an absolutely fabulous summer. And I hope you get a chance to chill out a bit, relax, 
maybe go on a nice little holiday or something and yeah have a really really good summer and I will be back in September for season five which is terribly exciting uh, so yeah until then au revoir auf Wiedersehen adios bye